Hello, my friend. Welcome to Awaken the Extraordinary. My name is Christy, and I'm so glad you're here. Awaken the Extraordinary is a place where we share stories. We talk about our lives and our experiences. We talk about what we learned from them. We talk about things that maybe didn't go the way we hoped and how we can kind of pivot, friends reference there, and approach things differently next time around. Because I am the host, I do share a lot about my life and my experiences, and I hope those actually do encourage and inspire you, because that's why I started this podcast. But if you have a story or an experience that you want to share, always feel free to hit me up. But for now, this episode is all me, but I do hope you actually gain something from listening to it. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Awaken the Extraordinary. Of course, if you listen to the intro, you already know what you're listening to. So I have been meaning to talk about this for quite some time and life has just gotten in the way, but many of you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I wanted to share, I guess we could call it my journey with breast health with you. Um, I know cancer is one of those words that scare a lot of us. Many of us know people that we've lost to some sort of cancer. And at times it feels like burying our head in the sand is the easier way to go. A lot of us don't get pap smears when we should. We don't get mammograms when we should. We don't get other sorts of screenings when we should. Like, you know, as I'm speaking about this, I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm overdue for my dermatology visit. I try to go once a year um, just to get everything checked out. And I actually have this weird spot on my forehead. Um, that I need to get checked out. And just in moving here, getting reestablished with new doctors is just not easy. I like to go to doctors where I, I, you know, maybe have had an experience with them through maybe someone else. So it's not me, I guess, technically having the experience, but referrals where I receive referrals and here it, it really is starting from scratch and, when I had the, this weird rash last October, because I did not wash my Halloween clothes that were in the storage bin before I wore them. Um, I got this really crazy rash. Like I was telling someone today, if you Googled weird body rash, a photo of me could have cropped up. It was the most bizarre thing. And I went to like three doctors. I think I had like a virtual visit and then I had, um, a regular doctor visit and an urgent care visit. One, um, put me on like some antibiotic and I went to another one and they told me they thought it was some sort of like dust mite situation. 
but I don't think this person knew what they were talking about because they were talking about dust mites getting under the skin. And so she prescribed this cream that I had to put on from my scalp to my toenails. Um, I had to wear it for like, I think at least 10 or 12 hours and I could not touch anything because it had a pesticide in it. I try to find as natural body products, skin products as possible. So the fact that I was putting something on my skin that had a pesticide in it was anxiety inducing on top of the anxiety I was already feeling because of this weird rash. Um, like I couldn't touch anything. So like I couldn't hug my son. Good night. It was just the weirdest thing. I could not sleep woke up as soon as I could to rinse it off. And then I felt like my skin was burning later. So I took another shower. Turns out it wasn't that it was, I guess like dust mites don't actually get under your skin, but the reason, the reason you sneeze or the reason you itch is yes, because of dust mites, but not because they like get under your skin or up your nose. It's an allergy that you have to their feces, which is so disgusting. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like I just went on this cleaning spree and just like washed everything. Um, I went to my regular doctor and I think she put me on prednisone and it cleared up in a few days, but then I felt like lightheaded for a few days after that. It was awful. But all of that to say, like, when that happened, I reached out to a dermatologist because like who better to assess a skin situation than a dermatologist? And in October, the soonest they could get me in was February. And I'm like, really? Okay. Um, so that has really deterred me from scheduling an appointment. And I should have kept, I should have just made the appointment and kept it. So at least I could go in for just kind of like a skin screening to see if there was anything that looked odd, but I didn't. So now I need to start from scratch and hopefully find an in-network dermatologist that I can get to relatively quickly. Um, but, you know, I have had things removed. Skin cancer does run in my family. I think um, if this thing on my forehead is anything, I think it's probably something that's like precancerous. But yeah, it. I want to get it checked out. And it is really scary when you think about what you were going in for, um, like what it could potentially be. I do remember when I was in my 20s, um, my mom had a mammogram and I remember she called me saying that they wanted her to go in for another one because it appeared as though there was cancer present. And at the time, what I told my mom is, you know, going in and getting it evaluated, like it, it doesn't change your situation. Like it doesn't change what actually is. So if you have cancer, not going in is not going to make you not have cancer. But if you have cancer and you go in and they're able to determine like what kind of cancer, what stage of cancer it is, that's actually empowering because then you are armed with information 
And then you are in a better position to make informed choices about your care going forward. Whereas if you just want to continue to bury your head in the sand, it really doesn't change what is and it could impact your life. But it's always easier giving that advice to someone else, Um, just like relationship advice, right? Like it's always easier to tell other people like, here's what I think you should do. It's what I would do if you, if I were in your situation. And then, you know, like when it comes to a relationship, then you find yourself in the situation and you're like, oh yeah. Or when you don't have kids and you look at people that have kids and are like, yeah, I would totally do this or I would never do that. And then you have kids and you uh, might have changed your perspective on a couple of things. And Maybe I am speaking from experience there. I don't know. You tell me. But I wanted to take this opportunity to share kind of my journey with you because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And last November, I actually had my first mammogram. So at the age of 45, I had my first mammogram. I am someone who is very much on top of things, um, except for when I move clearly to a different state, but I, you know, go in every year for, you know, pap smears. And this is the first year I actually didn't get one every year. Um, I've had abnormal pap smears come back and, uh, just found out that someone that I have known for a very long time, who is my age was diagnosed with, I think, um, stage two cervical cancer. And so I just always want to stay on top of things as, as best I can. And I was doing, um, self exams when it came to my breasts, but I could not get a mammogram when I turned 40, which was what was recommended for me because I had my son three weeks before I turned 40. So I nursed him for over a year, like pretty regularly. Um, and then it basically turned into just nighttime feedings and that continued for a very long time. I actually nursed my son at night until, um, he was about four and, you know, I, I'm a little concerned sharing that, but at the same time, I'm just like, eh, you know, it is what it is. It's what worked for us. Um, you know, I, I felt a little like that person that was on the cover of time magazine a while back where, you know, she's standing there and her kids on a stool lifting up her shirt. It was not like that. It was really the quickest way to get my son to sleep. And selfishly, I wanted to go to sleep quickly because I'm tired and it just worked for us. And, you know, I nursed obviously far longer than I wanted to, but that's again, like that's what worked for us. And, um, I couldn't have a mammogram for six months until I reached like the six month mark after I stopped nursing. So, what that meant was I think I stopped, I stopped nursing him in March of last year. And let's see. 
yeah, I stopped nursing him in March of last year. So the soonest that I could get it done would be September. So by the time I went in for my physical in um, September, they scheduled me for a mammogram. I think it was in October. Okay. I think it was in October. I think it was like mid-October when I was able to get in. And then um, I had to go in for the mammogram and then the images weren't the greatest uh, because it was also my first mammogram. So I actually, a couple of weeks later, had to go in to kind of like a, a specialty center where um, they use machines where they can um, see through dense tissue. So I do want to back up a bit. When I was 22, I actually found my first lump. I think I started doing breast exams like in my 20s, like in my early 20s. Obviously, 22 is early 20s, but I may have started doing them um, in, albeit inconsistently, maybe a year or so prior to that. And I remember I had just gotten married, like maybe a couple months prior, and I felt a lump in the shower. And I remember I almost fainted. It was the first time I had almost fainted and I didn't know what was happening. And I just instantly went into panic mode, instantly thinking like the worst thing, like, oh my gosh, this is cancer. At the time, it was relatively uncommon for you to hear of someone in their 20s or in their 30s having breast cancer. Unfortunately, it seems to be less surprising now if you hear about that diagnosis. And so I was really scared and I went, I, I made an appointment, went into my OBGYN. He's like, you know, I don't think this is anything to worry about, but I am going to refer you to a surgeon and we will see what he thinks. So of course I, I was still in panic mode. You know, I, I was really hoping to get the all clear and then, um, that didn't happen. So I went to the surgeon and he too said, look, I don't really think this is anything to be concerned about, but let's just biopsy it just, just so we know what it is. And for background information, um, apparently fibrocystic breasts run in my mom's side of the family. You know, she had a lot of fibrous cysts, I guess, in, in her breast, I think as did, you know, at least one of my aunts. So my mom was great. She was very supportive, um, went with me to the appointments as I say this, I'm like choking up. Um, I know there was like a lot of stuff that wasn't great between me and my mom. Um, but I've always said that when I really needed her when I was really scared or in the depths of despair, she was there. And so, so she went with me to those appointments. Um, my husband was in the Navy. It was, it was hard for him to go and <laughs> thinking back, I'm like, I don't even know if he would have gone with me, but then we went to the, the surgery center at the hospital. Ironically, it's like where I had my son, they did a fine needle aspiration and it was uncomfortable, 
but it wasn't as bad as I thought, you know, super thin needle and, you know, they stuck it into where the lump was. And they, they actually, like, I remember jabbed around in a few different places. I was like such a wreck, like waiting for those results. And I think I, I was like calling in and, you know, I think got the results like maybe five days later and everything was fine. It was like fibrocystic changes, nothing to be concerned about. And so that got me like really diligent about checking my breasts on a regular basis. I I don't know that a lot of my friends were doing breast exams in their twenties, but I was, and over the years, I did find more lumps. Uh, the lumps grew. I've had a couple more biopsies. I think the the next biopsy I had done um, was later in my 20s. And then a couple of years later, I had um, an ultrasound done. Everything has always come back clear. And I was really scared for my mammogram this year because it was my first mammogram. And I was told that, you know, I had to not be nursing for at least six months because, you know, it could show up the, the milk and the milk ducts could show up as calcifications on, um, the mammogram, which you know, calcium deposits, which could be interpreted as something that it wasn't. So I was so nervous when I went in for my first mammogram, like I was shaking and the people here were really, really nice. And (laughs) I was uncertain as to what to expect. Like, I know that they basically flatten your boob like a pancake. And so I, I just didn't know (laughs) what it was like, you know, so they adjust your boob. And I think like any modesty that you, you might have is just really kind of out the window, you know, and you think like they, they do this all the time. And I was like, I really don't care. Like do whatever you need to do. Um, you know, there were certain angles that they had to kind of contort my body to. And I just remember like, you know, they would ask me to let them know when, things got too tight, like when it felt like I just couldn't handle it anymore. And with the texts that I've had, they've pretty much made the decision for me because apparently I can just like tolerate a lot. And I think my thought process is like, I want you to get the best picture possible so that one, I don't have to do this again. And two, if there's something I want you to be able to find it. So I can tolerate a lot. So it's just been funny because they're like, okay, we're just going to stop there. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, as long as I don't see what my boob looks like, I am okay. <laughs> like, I just don't want to see it. So as I said, you know, I went for the initial, the initial mammogram and they had said, this was the part that was like really frustrating to me. So they had said that they were going to request like my previous records from my doctor, like the ultrasound and everything in California. And the thing is like California, I guess they can't send 
records electronically, they would need to mail them. So they're like, well, typically you would get the results back from the mammogram within a week. But since we need to contact California and get like your previous records mailed to us, it will probably take 14 days. And so I was like, that's great. I get to be a wreck for 14 days. And so I told them, I said, I really don't have any mammograms. I said, like, I had an ultrasound done last year, but that's it. Like that's, and and I know an ultrasound is not going to give you the level of detail that a mammogram does. Like, is it really necessary to wait? Because they were going to wait to review my mammogram results. They were going to wait until they received my information from California. And so I was, so I wait 14 days and I'm like dreading a call, right? So then I call them on day 14 and they hadn't received my records from California and they hadn't reviewed my results. And so I was like, so this whole time, like you guys could have called me, I could have called my doctor in in California, like maybe that would have expedited things. And they were just like, well, we'll just go ahead and review them. If there's, if you hear back, then they're going to need additional images. If you don't hear back, just assume everything is fine. So I'm like, okay. So the next day I was a wreck. I took my phone with me everywhere I went. But then I decided to go to the bathroom and not take my phone with me. I was gone for like three minutes. I come back to my phone. What do I see? A voicemail from the imaging center. So I call and they said, we need you to go to the hospital in Missoula. We need additional images. So I'm trying not to panic. And I'm like, seriously, like I'm gone for three minutes. And this is the message I get. So I was totally freaked out. My husband went with me to the imaging center in Missoula. They took a ton of images, a ton. It was a more uncomfortable experience than the one I initially had because they took so many images and because of where like some of the dense tissue is. It's like on the side, also like really far back, like almost meaning like, I guess, like my chest area, I guess, like on the side under my arm. So it was just very, very uncomfortable and I was scared. So then after all of that's done, I go and I I sit in the little room and I wait for um, the radiologist to come in and I think I'm waiting like 10 minutes and he comes in and he's like, okay. He's like, well, this is your first mammogram. He's like, we did see some calcifications, like no lumps or anything, but calcifications. And he said, so there's nothing that's giving me a lot of concern right now. He said, usually calcifications are round. The ones that cause us concern are oval And the calcification, some of the calcifications that you have are kind of right in the middle. Like they're not round and they're not oval. 
He's like, so I don't think we need to do a biopsy. What I would like you to do is come back in like six months. And so I was like, okay, okay. And he's like, does that sound good? I'm like, yeah, okay. So I check out, get in the car, like tell my husband everything. And then the whole way back, like into town where we live, I'm like looking up like what percentage of calcifications turn into cancer. Um, It's not a lot. It's not to say like they don't turn into cancer or end up being cancer. But um, I think like 75% of calcifications do not quote me on this. I'm relying on my memory, which may not be the greatest, but I think 75% of calcifications are nothing. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, that still leaves a 25% chance, you know, kind of like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, but you're saying that there's a chance. I think it was him, right? So I just had to be okay with that and just pray that everything was going to be okay. Um, It wasn't the answer that I was hoping for. It wasn't the experience I wanted to have. But I really tried to focus on, okay, like he said, it's likely nothing and we'll come back in six months. So we're, I'm not going to like have you go through all these tests because I'm not super concerned right now, but he was concerned, you know, <laughs> like he was concerned enough to have me come back, you know, and I did talk to people that have had to, to go back for multiple images and, and usually, you know, it is common, like when they don't have a history, like. FYI, they never did get my records from California, but it is quite common because they just don't have a baseline to go off of kind of like my son with his, all of his dental stuff that he had going on because they couldn't do x-rays. They weren't sure like with his cavities, like how quickly or how deeply like the decay was progressing because they had no baseline to go off of because he wouldn't allow them to do x-rays. So it was like kind of like a similar thing. But it was really unnerving to just like think about it for like six months, you know, um, that I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, I think for the first few days after that, it was really hard for me. But then, you know, I'm just like, okay, I can just let this eat away at me every day or I can just continue on and just kind of hope for the best and just do what I'm doing, which is like doing my, my breast exams. And it's really weird because whenever I go to do my breast exams in the shower, um, I'm always nervous before I do it. So it's like, I'm scared, but at the same time, I'm just like, I just hate it. I hate that. It's something we even have to think about. So, you know, a lot happened in, in those six months. Um, you know, we started designing a house and we found out we can't afford to build. Uh, my husband got laid off. My mom passed away. My in-laws got a dog and didn't incorporate me in that conversation. A dog that was the wrong fit that they just sent back to the breeder. It created like major drama in the house. A lot of stuff happened. <laughs> and, uh, it was just scary. So in May, I was like, 
thinking I, I need to call and make an appointment. And as I was thinking that I got a notice in the mail, that's like, Hey, you need to come back in for your repeat mammogram. And so the day I got that, I call, I, like I called and I think they were able to get me in like a couple days later. And I was like, that's fine. Like I was nervous, but I just wanted, if this could be done, at least for now, I wanted it to be done. And so this time my son wanted to go to the appointment. Like I, he just knew I had a doctor's appointment. I think like he was out of, or maybe he didn't have school that day or something. So my husband's like, we'll just take him. It's fine. I'm like, okay. So I was a little concerned because I was like, if I get bad news, I don't know how I'm going to be around him. You know, I don't hide my emotions from my child, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to freaking just lose my shit around my child either. So I went in, I felt a little bit better because I knew what to expect this time. There was a lot of contortion, I think even more than like the time I was there before. And there were a lot more photos, a lot more photos this time. And she took the photos. I went back to the room and then she was like, I need to take a couple more photos. So that freaked me out. So go back, do more photos And then I go sit in that room and I think I was in that room for probably 20 minutes and I wanted to go get Eli and Milo. um, But at the same time, I was just like, I just don't know what they're going to be telling me. So I'm just like in there and I'm like shaking because whenever I get scared, I like shiver and um, they had like one magazine that I was trying to focus on. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these celebrities are. I don't care what they're wearing. You know, they have a TV and like the waiting room before you actually go in to get your, your images done. I'm like, they need a TV here. This is where you really need to be distracted, you know? And so I was in there for 20 minutes and it was like, It's like when you're a kid in school and you're waiting for the bell to ring and you're just watching like the minute hand and the second hand and they don't have clocks like that anymore in the offices, but um, it was just so long. And so like with every minute that passed, I was like, why is this taking so long? Like, why is this taking so long? Did he see something, you know, like just going through all of these like worst case scenario things. And he comes in with the nurse and like, I'm instantly like trying to read his face and his body language, even though I don't know who he is, you know, I'm just like trying to like get an an assessment of like what he's going to tell me. And he's like, okay. He's like, everything looked good. He's like, nothing has changed. Um, we'll see you again in a year. And I swear he was in and out in like 20 seconds. And then I start crying because I'm just so relieved. Like this was at the beginning of May and I was just like, oh yeah, I think right before this happened or right after I like sprained my ankle, <laughs> like, like literally within a couple of days. And I, I just started crying and I said, you know, I'm like, it's just like to the the nurse. I was like, it's just been, it's been a really rough year. And I said, this has been a hard six months, like waiting 
And I said, and then my husband got laid off and then my mom died, you know, in March, just not even two months ago. And, you know, like she was great. Like she gave me a hug and, um, she's like, this is, this is a lot. She's like, you've been through a lot. And she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, hopefully you got good news. And so I, I was just really, really grateful, you know, and I go out and I just like, I see my son and I'm just like, so thankful that I'm like, ah, then I get to do all this in a year, you know? Um, but it's really important. I started following someone on Instagram. I, I don't know what her situation was like when she was diagnosed, but I think she was like in her thirties and she passed away like a couple of weeks ago. She had stage four and it sounds like she fought it for a really long time. Also, one of my coworkers shared a story the other day about having a mammogram. And then a few months later, you know, the mammogram was clear. And then a few months later, she found a lump and she kept an eye on it. And then she went to get it checked out. And I think it was like stage two and it was growing pretty rapidly. And, you know, I mean, she went through chemo and, um, she's here, you know, and that, that was many years ago. And I just appreciated her sharing that story because it just reminds me of kind of the scares that I've had and how important it is to stay on top of our health. And, you know, I, I think about how we we like want to start working out or we want to start eating better and we want to get out for walks at lunch, or we want to not allow meetings to make us skip meals. Um, we're tired when we get home. So we, so we don't work out. And, you know, what I've realized is not to say I have everything figured out because I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, I was sitting her one day and I was just like, but this is our life now. And the more we put our health on the back burner, the more we're going to potentially, the more we're going to pay for that later in life. And that's part of why I started working out again. You know, one, I just didn't like the way I felt. And yes, you know, I, I wanted to look better, but it's really about like longevity of life and feeling as good and being as healthy for as long as possible. And the more we allow other things to take priority over our health, which means trying to eat well, which means drinking water. And I'm pretending to be looking at myself as I'm saying that, you know, getting movement in, getting good rest, putting up boundaries, like taking breaks, like the more we prioritize our health, hopefully the longer life we're going to have and living a life that where we actually like are feeling good. And part of that too is doing preventative care, you know, looking out for things. And when something doesn't seem right or something new pops up, 
you get it checked out. And I think there was, oh, so in February, (laughs) I thought I had appendicitis because my right side hurt all day. And, you know, I, of course, instantly went into panic mode. I, I did this a lot and then I got better control of it. And then I had my son and now I, I catastrophize when it comes to health because I have someone to be responsible for someone that I, I really want to be around as long as I can be. And, um, my husband's just different. (laughs) It's just different with my husband than with my child, but you know, I, I want to be around and I want to be his mom for as long as I possibly can. And so I've, I've gone back into to panic mode and, you know, called my best friend and she was like, okay, like try doing these things, like getting Tums or whatever. And I felt like it got better, but then I felt like it got worse again at night. And so we went to the hospital and, um, the doctor's like, yeah, it might actually be too soon to, to know if this is appendicitis or not. Um, well, I was like, but yeah, but I've heard like, if your appendix bursts, you only have so long to get to the hospital. And he's like, you live like 30 minutes away. He's like, it would be okay. But he's like, it might be too soon. You might have come in too soon. And I was just like, okay. Cause they actually did, um, a CT scan and what, what actually freaked me out in that visit was like, they stuck an IV in me. And I was like, why are you sticking an IV in me? Like, why are you putting fluids in my body? Like, why do I need these? You know? And I was just asking all of these questions. And so they did blood work. And when the doctor came in, he's like, okay, well, this looks fine. This looks fine. He's like, but like your enzyme levels are high or something like that. And he's like, are you a heavy drinker? And I'm like, I look at my husband. I'm like, well, I wouldn't consider myself a heavy drinker. I said, I do live with my in-laws. And for a while after we moved in with them, um, I, I was like having a beer every night. I said, but I don't like, I, I don't drink consistently. And if I do, it's maybe two to four drinks a, a month. And then I'm thinking about, you know, in my thirties when I, I did drink a lot and he's like, okay, because, you know, sometimes when your enzyme levels are high, um, it can be a sign of pancreatitis and pancreatitis is usually tied to, you know, heavy drinking. And so then I'm like, oh, great. You know? So then he's like, so I want to do a CT scan. So then I started looking up like pancreatic cancer and blah, 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 blah. Um, everything was fine. They did the the CT scan. Everything was fine. My appendix was fine. Pancreas was fine. But I'm sharing that story with you because like, again, most of the time, if something seems awry, I'm like, okay, I am not going to wait. I am going to go get it checked right now. And it was just interesting that he's like, yeah, you might actually be here too early. And I'm like, so I'm supposed to wait until I'm in like severe debilitating pain to come in and it sounds like, yes, that's what I should have done. But all of this to say your, your health is something that like, you can't cheat, you know, like 
you don't like your lips, you can get fillers. You don't like your butt, you can get implants. Like you don't like your hair, like you can cut it, you can color it, you can get wigs. You don't like your nose, you can get a new nose. You you can't do anything about your health. Like you can't buy your way to good health. And so it's important that we prioritize it. And by prioritizing our health, we're actually prioritizing ourselves. And by avoiding something, you could actually be putting yourself in a dire situation or in a more dire situation. I know I have shared in the past that, you know, my mom's health wasn't the greatest. And I think it's because she didn't have the strength to face things. So she ignored things. And eventually she ignored things so long that she couldn't ignore them any longer. And it started affecting her mobility. It started affecting her organs. Like it, it, it eventually led to her passing away. And that is not something that I want for myself. And it's not something that I want for the people that I care about. And because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I felt like this was the right time to drop this episode. And I really encourage you to love yourself enough, to care about yourself enough, to prioritize your health, prioritize taking care of yourself. I think we we live in a world where it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, like today I was doing stuff on Instagram and I was like, oh, I was going to look up a dermatologist. I forgot to do that. And so, you know, tomorrow before I do anything on social media, like I, I want to look for a dermatologist and I want to look for a dentist. You know, it, it took me over two months to schedule an appointment with a chiropractor, but I've, I've got that handled, but we only have one body, you know, and the body is the, the vessel that we're in for our time here. And we need to treat it with care. And you think about all the ways that we don't, and, um, we deserve better. And, you know, as, as I told my mom, like if, if something is you not addressing it doesn't change what is, but the more you learn about what is, or even get confirmation of what is you're empowering yourself to make a decision about your health, about your care. And as I'm speaking to you right now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what I told her so many years ago and I wish, I wish she had done more to take care of herself because then she might still be here. You know, I mean, she, she passed away from complications due to diabetes and, um, I, don't feel like she loved herself enough to take care of herself. I think it's that and that she just didn't have the strength. And 
It's okay. But I wish it had been different. And for those of us that have the ability to take care of ourselves and have the courage to take care of ourselves, we need to do it. We need to do it because time's passing with each day. And the more we put off prioritizing ourselves and prioritizing our, our health, the harder it's going to be to turn things around. If something happens, just kind of my thoughts. So I would love to know what you do to take care of you. Like, are you on top of things or could you be better? And like I said, I, I could be better been here over a year. I have not been to the dentist. I have not been to a dermatologist. Um, I could do better and, uh, I will because I deserve it. And the people I care about deserve it. So I encourage you to prioritize yourself, prioritize your health, do what you need to do to take care of you. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how I might be able to support you. If you went through, you know, a medical journey and you want to share, I would love to hear about it. You can send me a message on Instagram at it's actually Christy K R I S T I. You can also send me an email at Christy K R I S T I at awaken the extraordinary.com. If you know of someone that might benefit from listening to this episode, please share it with them. If you found this episode helpful, I would love for you to share it, share it with a friend, share it in your stories on Instagram. If you do be sure to tag me, I would love to thank you. And, you know, you can always follow, you can always subscribe. You can always write a review. I would really, really appreciate it. That helps get the podcast out to more people. And if you are enjoying this, someone else might too. So as always, my friend, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so very much for listening. Please prioritize yourself. Please prioritize your health and stay kind, stay compassionate, and stay curious with yourself and others. And I'll talk with you soon.